Hello and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. Um, tonight we are going to, or whenever you're listening to this, uh, we're going to have a bit of a debate about um, our ownership, um, what the fallout is after the um, current talks between Billy Hogan and Spirit of Shankly Group, what's come out of that, what our thoughts are, maybe take a look at Manchester United's cause and how that may impact, you know, not just not just Manchester United, not just us, but maybe the whole of football. And uh, we'll maybe look to Southampton if anybody can stomach talking about actual football. So to do that with me, I have got Jay Reid in Liverpool. Jay, how are we? Doing good, mate. This uh, hiatus from football, which we've been pleasantly surprised and given to was being nice of uh, not really watching much football caught a little bit of City last night caught the first half of Chelsea before we started recording but there is absolutely no interest in anything there um, because football is shit without fans and that is what we're going to get into I imagine yeah no doubt I've uh, I've been fortunate I, I've, I have quite an interest in the snooker so I had 17 days of enjoying you know three kind of four or five hour sessions of snooker a day which was just absolutely fantastic and distracted me from anything football related I don't watch snooker unfortunately one thing I don't watch is probably snooker and golf are the two sports I don't watch um, yeah I don't watch golf because you can't see the ball really so I'm no. just kind I'd of sit and watch, with that sit and watch cricket for hours but there is no cricket at the moment really so that's that. Well, yes, there you are. The cricket probably might be my next sport if football continues along this vein of horrendousness um, because you get an old test match last for days and that kind of would suit me right now. Um, Dave, Karen, in Brazil, how are you? Have you taken up a new sport? Spider baiting. Oh, yes. <laughs> Flip-flop spider baiting. <laughs> Please attach that photo when you upload this onto Twitter or whatever, just just to show the people what you've been dealing with. My my visitor, you mean the visitor to my garden? <laughs> he, he's kicking you out your house. He's the bailiff. Well, he's big enough. Uh, yes, rather large spiders in this in, in this neck of the woods, but it is the jungle, Dave, and it keeps you away from unpure thoughts about football and how it used to be and the game we all used to love and used to enjoy. And and for once, I'm actually keen to do this podcast tonight because I haven't been keen all fucking season. So there, there's, we're starting on a good point, really. Well, good. Well, listen, let's, let's kick off with you then since you've been away for quite some time and we've all, I'm sure, missed your dulcet tones and um, ridiculously charismatic rants. So you wanted to run tonight, Dave. Um, let's take a look. Let's take a look at uh, the ownership. Let's let's have a discussion around where where we are now personally with the ownership. They've they've worked through a number of things over over the last ten years. Um, some good, some bad. You know, we've 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 got a, an unbelievable new main stand. We've got fantastic players, an unbelievable manager. Um, we've got redevelopment in and around the ground, um, but we've also had some real full pass. We've we've had the we've had the furlough debacle. We've had the attempt to um, trademark the LFC name uh, and and emblems, etc. Um, 
we're now staring down the barrel of, of a European Super League, and and that's not to mention the issue with the with the seventy seven pound tickets where there was you know a mass fan walkout. So you know I give this this crowd a lot of credit in previous years for for being able to have the humility to acknowledge when they've made a mistake and and take a step back. Um, but you know sooner or later there's got to come a point where these guys are able to read the room and they're able to understand what is a good decision and what isn't a good decision. And if they can't do that, they've got to think about maybe we should engage some people first. I wonder we'll come on to the fan engagement, but you know, realistically, this it shouldn't have taken this absolute shit show of a European Super League embarrassment um, to bring this about, should it? No, definitely not. Um, and look, on this podcast, we've given FSG a, a fair share of criticism where, where it's been due. But we've also said that the, the one overriding factor that always unites us and brings us together is that they have learned from their past mistakes. And, you know, look, we're in a position here where just for a change during lockdown, because everybody's against everybody, because they're all fucking locked in the house and all we're bombarded with is bad news. Well, in your world, all you're bombarded with is bad news. And, you know, it, that has an effect on the psyche of, of, of the average man, the average woman. Um, and I, I think the reaction to the, to the Super League was, was exacerbated by all of that, the, the frustrations in society at the moment. Um, and look... I've seen the FSG out brigade has grown, Dave, in 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 recent weeks. And don't get me wrong, the Super League was 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 a complete it's a fucking disaster. It's not what you want for your club. It's not what you want for football. It, it's the end of the game, in my opinion. And 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 I don't think it's gone away. It's gone away for now. I don't think it's gone away. I think uh, another reincarnation will rear its head somewhere down the line, and they'll keep battering away at this until they get some form of it. But I think for now, it's gone. And, you know, we've seen Manchester United make changes in the board. Um, you know, we've seen the United fans now demanding the Glaziers out. Um, and I'm very, very, very loathed to go to that length with FSG at this moment in time. And, and the reason I'm loathed is, as I say, they've made many mistakes. They've learned from those mistakes. Um, they're, an American, they're an American firm, basically. They exist to make money. And I don't think we can fault them for, for, for trying to increase the value of the club and so on from from their their business perspective at their level. And, you know, obviously they've learned a lot about the club, but they have no real understanding of how the likes of you, me and Jay think about the club and how many years we've followed it and, and how much it means to us. I think they, they're, they're still struggling with that. Um, hopefully the Spur of the Shankly meeting might have brought that to them loud and clear yet again. But I don't want rid of them. I do not want rid of them because what they've done is come in and made our club successful. We've won a Champions League. We've won the league for the first time in 30 years. Um, like, let's be honest, it's a small price to pay a few fuck-ups for that. But the, the, the flip side, if we force FSG out, if we do something fucking daft like the United fucktards did there at the weekend, what are we looking at coming behind we're looking at oil barons. We're looking at oligarchs because that's all or or state nations buying out. Um, you know, it's it's not it's not where you want to go. It's you have to look at what's in front of you. 
before you get rid of what what's what, what's already at the helm. And you know, the, the Liverpool football club's touted at the moment as value is two billion. When you put two billion, this isn't some conglomerate can come together and throw it together and, and make everything work. No, no, no. That to, to sell Liverpool now, unfortunately, leads you down into an area that I prefer this club didn't go. And as for that, and I'm not saying that I forgive FSG and just wipe it under the carpet and all the rest. I'm, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, I don't really think this is a time to be getting rid of them. Um, unless it was a, 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 a very good ownership, unless the, the, you know, the proven track record, things like that. You know, my, my worry is, and Dubai owns Man City, what, so what if Abu Dhabi comes to decide, well, there's the big rivalry in the Premier League at the moment. Um, and this could happen to United as well if they force the Glazers out, because, you know, the two clubs owned by, by two of the, the, uh, the Arab Emirates, you know, and they love to compete with each other. And that, that scares the shit out of me for the future of football, Dave. Um, it truly does scare the shit out of me. The damage that has been done to this game, the damage that's been done to us psychologically as fans through this season, this is not this is not the time for wholesale changes at Liverpool Football Club. We we need to we need to take this season in isolation and remember the good times that, that we had, had leading up up until the Atletico Madrid game. And we were we were fucking something else, and the reason we're something else is because of the FSG's vision, their investment, and their guidance of the club. And and quite frankly, yes, they fucked up. Yes, they need wrapped over the knuckles. Yes, they need reminded constantly about it. But please, for the love of God, let's not force them out, because what comes behind, I think, is a hell of a lot more scary than what we have right now. And that's where I am in regards to ownership. Yeah, it's a funny one. Um, I'll come on to the. I'll come on later to the type of quandary between the ownership that we have and the ownership that some fans want. These, you know, bottomless pockets um, that FSG aren't. But you know, obviously, the issue that that presents itself with an organisation that can provide that sort of finance. So we'll, we'll touch on that later. But Jay, just, just before we do, you know, I'm just interested in your opinion, um, particularly being kind of, you know, on the ground, if you were. Um, do you think that in previous years that the ownership has failed to kind of get in and amongst the community and really understand the nature of the club understand the strength of ties between supporters and what supporters value as the core beliefs of this football club, the, the traditions of the club and want to cling on to that. They don't want to be seen as a Chelsea with, you know, basically, you know, founded 2003 or Manchester City who are you know, practically a different club than they were before. And that really is the fear um, we don't want to be going in that direction, and the European Super League kind of pointed in, in in that kind of that kind of way. So, do you think that these guys could have done more to really get down to ground level and understand what is important to fans and what's important to supporters? Uh, yeah, I, I think you know the the fact did well the ownership 
group that runs Liverpool in the UK is based in London. It used to be in Liverpool, then it's in London. Like, I think that tells you all you need to know about the connection to the city straight away in terms of th- th- their interest is obviously as businessmen and everyone knew from the start they come in and they bought the club at a, at a good price because we were in a crisis and we needed rescuing um, to all intents and purposes and they were businessmen they come in it and it was labelled straight away as an investment and you know any sane person knows like well it's, it's an investment though they're coming in to try and make money one way or another now for me like Dave you, you can't really put these in the same category as the Glazers and I don't think you'd see the reaction from the poor fans like you did what happened on Sunday because of the way they operate and the way they run the club from what I see is they have made the club self-sufficient and they've put their hand in the pocket for things like the main stand and the, 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 gla- the Glazers are, are Jay the, the Glazers stand accused of asset stripping basically there, there's no, no way we, we we can there's no way we can level if you want to make a comparison if you want to make a comparison the comparison is between Hex and Gillette and the Glazers yeah, that, yeah. That, that's that's where the closer that's comparison where, that's where is. they come but, but for us, uh, but we're we not there any lucky. longer. No, no, we, we're, we're lucky in terms of what we've got. A different approach. Where do you go from them? And it it, it is down to the Oyo Baden oligarch state ruled route. And for some fans, that that's what they want to see. But if no, it's, I it's think like it's the, the younger one generation. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, they they people they are want to play that football manager in real life, yeah. uh-huh. and we're not. We're not on the I when as a club we 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 pride ourselves on this stuff and then it it is the fancy footballers to what we want to see. They they they'd happily see I know your Baron come in and sign Sancho and Mbappe and Haaland all in one window. As great as that'd be, never gonna happen. Not gonna happen for any club because there's just not everybody can have all the good toys. I those days at the Galacticos at Real Madrid where they had a team of 11 Galacticos, that's gone. For me, you might have four or five, but there's just too much money in the game. And unfortunately, that's what it all boils down to, is money. And bringing it back to FSG and where we started is, do they connect with the fans? No, they don't, in terms of what I see as as a, as you put a man on the ground. Someone who lives within the city who goes week in, week out when we're, we're fully allowed to go back. Um, they are just there as as the key holders, and we we can only knock them for so much because if they are just there as key holders and they they've made themselves efficient, they give us this this nice new stand and they give us these players, they give us the Champions League and the league title after thirty years. Then okay, they've made some mistakes as you said along the way, but without them, where would we be? And that's what a lot of people soon forget. They live in the moment and not look at the bigger picture and. I don't think you'll get much better owners in the current climate. Arguably, yes, they could they could put a bit more investments in, but then Jay, Jay you're what, what you 26, 27. You're 26, 30, 27. Fairly free. No? Thanks for the compliments. Okay, you should have just so, took it. Yeah, you should have just. Uh, <laughs> so you you were three or two the last time we won a league. You know you don't remember us winning the league. FSG no. gave you something that you never had in your lifetime. And for me, I sat and waited on it. Dave sat and waited on it. 30 fucking years. 
And that's no small matter. You know what I mean? That's not to be brushed under the carpet and go, these guys are shite. Let's get rid of them. I'm sorry, it can't happen. No, but I'm, no. So you, you, you just so sorry, sorry, just to so just to just to throw it back to you, Jay. I think you know they did give us that, and there's no denying it. And it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. And we've seen other teams. We've seen the Chelseas. We've seen the Cities come back, come before us and and achieve what what we have been dreaming of and craving for. But sometimes those things come at a cost. And for me personally, as a Liverpool fan, I wasn't prepared to pay the cost that, for example, Chelsea or City paid in almost cheating to achieve that goal. I, as a Liverpool fan, wanted to do it the right way. I wanted to do it differently. I wanted to prove to show that I wanted to show that we were I wanted to show that we were different and that we would, were better and this is would, an opportunity would you say to show was that we were different and better. The, it, well, yeah, the way that we the way that you fellas have been brought up on and, and known that like you build teams and you, you get a good manager then you get the good players and you, it's it's all it's all done properly and yeah you develop continuity yeah. you you create a, you create an identity a tradition that is up, upheld from one manager to the next manager to the next manager through different squads and players that are, whether they leave, whether they're transferred, whether they retire, moving guys into the back room, you know, the old boot room kind of mentality and ethos that was, that was developed. And that's the identity of the club. And I was not prepared for that to be stripped away just for, just for a league title, because for me, it doesn't mean as much. So if, if, if it, if this means you know, we don't go and spend a ridiculous amount of money and these guys want to operate within the budget that the club, you know, can create from their income stream, then I'm actually all right with that. And that's not the issue that I have with the FSG because personally, and a lot of fans are going to disagree with me here, but personally, that's the way I want to succeed. I don't want just to be the team that spends the most money because the team that spends the most money should win. This logic, you know, all well, of the statistics. Just take tonight. Chelsea have qualified for the Champions League final against Manchester City. Nobody has asked because of the way they've done it. Like as soon as the semi-finals were made, nobody was bothered about the teams that were in it because all of them were were done with like financial doping one way or another. Whether it be the state board with PSG and City, the the oil board Chelsea, or the way Madrid have just Fed all finances for years with the Spanish governments. Like nobody was bothered about the Champions League today. From when, from when them semi-finals ended up as them four teams, I'm sure a lot of football fans just switched off. I know it's the season with the no fans, and it doesn't really matter anyway. But who is really it's bothered the who wins season? That? Who's bothered who wins it? I, I, I might watch it for the sake of the Champions League final, but you've got no invested interest because you're not really bothered. You're numb to it. Dave, they should. Dave, they should be the teams. They should be the four semi-finalists because they're they're literally the four richest clubs in the world. So they should be the four semi-finalists, and that's when that's when sport becomes boring. That's when sport. Yeah. That's when people lose interest in sport. You know. Look, Dave, Dave the old FA Cup and the giant killing and what those those days are gone. 
And it used to be every season there'd be a big story in the FA Cup because the little team could overturn. But, you know, you, you look at a Man City and play their second team. Their second team is fucking get fourth in the Premier League. Well, they had a bench the other night against Real, against uh, sorry PSG that was worth four hundred and fifty million pounds something. I rest my case. I rest my case. You know that's, um, not um, that's not even an eleven. You know, and that's not the eleven. That's not any of the eleven that, that, that Pep deemed capable of starting a Champions League semi final. So, you know what? Does I, that and you're tell gonna, you? you can only fit you can only fit one fullback on it, and he's got about fucking twenty of them there, all worth sixty million. But that's <laughs> it. So I suppose that that is that is the point for me, Dave. That for me. You know, the ownership, yes, people would like them to spend more money and, and the new generation of fan want all of the new shiny things and they're not prepared to accept failure at any cost. And if, if someone gets injured for for up two months, they just expect someone to be bought for £60 million just to, to take their place for two months to make sure we don't lose any games or concede any goals. So, you know, that that is where we are. And I think... What we'll come on to now is this engagement with um, Billy Hogan, the meeting that he had with with members of the the SOS, the Spirit of Shankly representatives, um, to try and bridge this gap that we've discussed between um, the fans and the owners, um, and to do what we've we've kind of just been talking about, which is make sure that make sure that the owners are held accountable for holding on to the fabric and the identity of the football club? No, absolutely. And, and to be honest with you, I, I don't have any problems with Spirit of Shankly. I, I, I think we've done some great things um, with, with fan engagement and so on. And also, I've seen on Twitter and, and social media over the last couple of days, uh, Spirit of Shankly getting a lot of shit about they don't represent my views and they don't represent this. And I'll tell you what. Well, growing up, we never had any fan representation anywhere with the fucking club, other than in the stands. And I think it's a positive move that, that number one, they're even being indulged, um, and the fact that they're getting in there and their their, their voice is actually heard. And let's be honest, we're all Liverpool supporters. We all want the same thing. We're all working towards the the, the same goal of success and trophies. It's what you know, what Shankly said. He won't take it back. We exist to to win trophies, and 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 to do that. Um, you, you need the perfect environment, and and and, and this is where I'll give FSG kudos because if it, it's not the first time that they've invited them in. Um, okay, yes, they've done some fucking stupid shit here in the last few weeks. There's no getting away from it, Dave. They have, but you know, overall, um, again, I appreciate that some people may think that they don't represent your view, but hang on a minute. What have we come to in the fucking world? Like that everybody thinks that everybody think that they should be getting onto the board as well. That we should all have a, a massive Zoom call or something. Every fucking Liverpool fan, or it's not happening. You got to take you got to take these things for what they are. It's fan engagement for years and years. All football fans screamed and yelled that the board doesn't listen to us, the club doesn't listen to us, and all of a sudden we have. Here, here, what we've been shouting about, we actually get, and half the fucking Liverpool fans are going, "Oh, they don't represent me. They don't represent me." Um, it's uh, it's 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 a bizarre case, Dave. Um, but quite frankly, they went in today and they got or yesterday, and and they put their case forward and and they got, uh, you know, they got to speak to the board, and that has got to be a positive thing. I don't understand. I just really am struggling with the negativity around it. I don't understand how anybody has a problem with it. Yeah, I, I, I kind of think the same myself. Um. 
and I understand that not everybody's going to agree 100% of the time with everything, Jay, because that's just human nature. But can you can you kind of shed any light on the real opposition that there is to, to this from some quarters? Because to me, it does seem like a sensible move. I don't think that there's a better organization to represent fans views because let's be honest if you're not going to these guys who are you going to Jim, jimmy on the street do you know what i mean yeah yeah no i i think it brings up the arguments of local fans versus non-local fans um which maybe we've got the right sort of panel here to, to comment on this because as a local fan i think that we have been shut out a bit more by the club and, you know, the, the demand for tickets is there globally. Of course it is, but the local fan, it's a working class city. We have been slowly ousted and outpriced and even going over the match over like my lifetime, you do notice the amount of different voices, accents, languages in the ground. Now that's due to the size of the club and the global appeal and stuff. But I think maybe those people who aren't local fans maybe see Spurs of Shankly as like a, a local uprising where they're trying to reclaim the club for for local people, which in effect they are, but they're trying to claim it for all fans. Um, and, you know, people who come to the ground maybe once a season, maybe once a lifetime, the club sees them as maybe more inv- more invested who will spend money at like. I'll go to the game and maybe go to the pub for a pint in a local pub, get the ground at 20 to 3, if this is on a hypothetical term, for 3 o'clock kickoff, and then I leave and then I go to a local pub or I'll go, I'll go wherever where a fan who may come from Malaysia or you might have fans who come from Scotland or Ireland, you might only get to the game once or twice a year or in your lifetime and you might then spend a bit more time in the club shop, buy some merchandise and... You know, when, I, when I go, it's two nights in a hotel and it's Christ knows how yeah. much spent in pubs, do you know? The people that come in to, for the match on a tourism basis, if, if you want to put it in quotations, like they spend a lot of money, like Dave said, in hotels, pubs, bars, restaurants, shops all around the city. The whole city as a whole has an impact on fans coming in and supporting Liverpool and Everton. But more to say for Liverpool because we're more well, better, bigger. Um, but <laughs> I think so. I think some people see Spirits of Shankly as like this militant union uprising that's just there to represent local fans, and it's not. It's there to represent everyone. And without the Spirits of Shankly, FSG would have got away with raising tickets to seventy-seven quid. Then what? Do you know? I, and then, then how far did they go? People forget stuff like this. Do, Looking at the proposals of what's come out from from the meeting at the ad, which I think was Tuesday, as we we would call this Wednesday night, basically all they're asking for is a voice. And from what's being reported by James Pearce and the Athletic is, yeah, they're willing to I think to give Spirit of Shankly two people on the board who will have more of a say in in things that affect the fans and the Anfield community. Now, what what's wrong with that? Like. I don't see any opposition to that at all. If anyone can come up with me with a good reason why you would have okay, that, I, I don't know. 
I said it. We're all on the same page. We're all looking for the same goal. We all want this club to be successful. I don't get the, the fume against Spur of the Shank. I, I don't Jay, can I ask you, Jay, can I ask yes, you a question? Do you, do you think that, you know, we've talked about why people might be opposed to Spur of the Shank and what sort of, you know, what kind of demographic of supporters that our global fan base now kind of attracts, but do you think there's a responsibility on fans from wherever they are in the world to kind of dig into the club and understand what it's about and accept that, you know, these are the values of the football club and, you know, locally, because it's a, it's a local football club, it's Liverpool football club from the city of Liverpool for the people of Liverpool yeah. Do you think that there's a responsibility for them to kind of understand what the club's about, what it stands for, get on board with it, or do you know what, lads, pick another team? I mean, that that's a big sort of a big statement in in effect to me, but yeah, because you do hear fans that say like, "I become a fan after Istanbul," or I, you know, since Jurgen Klopp's came, I, I fell in love with Liverpool, and that's great. That that that's perfectly fine if you want to be that fan who gets on board because we've we've been the big club or we've we've played the nice football under Brendan Rodgers at times and stuff, then that's fine. And there's nothing against them fans as being fans, but if you're not like you need to understand where the club came from and not just the club, the city, the people. Like I pride myself on being scouts and I'm sure a lot of other scousers do and you pride yourself on where you come from. And if people ask, if, if you're on holiday, like, where do you come from? Your first answer is Liverpool, not England. And then people will say something about, hey, why do you follow England? Or, or like, if the Euros are on, I'm not bothered about England. I've no care in the world about England. But your pride is being from Liverpool. And I'm sure it's the same about you lads, wherever you, you've grown up, like, you may be more proud to be from... No, we, we deny it, lad. We, <laughs> den- we, we, we deny no. all fucking knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> well, you live in Brazil, but you don't count. <laughs> um, but, like, maybe people have got to take that back step and go, go and learn about what, what it means to be a Liverpoolian. Not just a supporter of Liverpool, be a Liverpoolian to me. Like, And maybe, maybe that's what some people's issue is. Like, they, they, they just think that Liverpool is just another big club and they should be run the same and competing the same as... PSG and Man City, but we're not. We we want to do things differently. We want to do things our way. We've we've always tried to do things our own way, just as people and as a club and as a city. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's what the issue is. But I I don't see what what Spurs Shankly what people have got against Spurs Shankly. And it's a union. You can join wherever you are from in the world. You can sign up and join the union, and you can post your questions, queries, issues, whatever to them. And, and you they have your vote presumably yeah. after this as well. Yeah, and you, I, they do hold on, on a, I know we're living in this weird time, but on a normal time they do hold regular meetings, they meet where like obviously they have selected members elected to the board, you can vote on that, you can post questions, there'll be stuff that's being discussed and then minutes are relayed back to, to the union members, so it's not a closed shop, like some people might think it is. It, it's it's an open opportunity. Now, me myself, I'm not part of it, and I I would if I, if I felt strongly enough that I would. But I think 
they're doing a good a job as they can do. That what more do you want? You feel like you don't. You feel like you don't need to be a part of it because you're already represented. Yeah, in effect, and I think that they do a good enough job. If they weren't, if if they weren't there, then maybe yeah. I don't know how do, how do you approach things like look at United where they broke off and made FC United and Manchester because they weren't happy with how the Glazers were taking United down that road and the green and gold uprising and whatever that they've gone into and in effect there is a, there's an outbreak of club in, in Liverpool called the uh, City Liverpool FC who are represented in the colour purple because it's blue and red of Everton and Liverpool mixed together now they've got a small grow growing fan base because people become disenfranchised with the way Liverpool were run under the American ownership and stuff like that. And in effect, you could even say Everton, they, they've got Machete, who's a, who's a multi-billionaire, I think, and he's pumping money into Everton, but nobody's saying nothing about that because they're not the big boys that we are and competing at the top table. And, you know, nobody's got an issue with Everton doing it. Nobody's got an issue with Villa doing it. Like, Brighton, on a small scale, doing it. Burnley have got new American owners. Who's to say Burnley don't go and spend $100 million this summer? Nobody will bat an eye yeah. at that. But if, if Liverpool go and spend well, with that, 150, with, with, then it's an issue. Okay, the, the, the problem I have at the minute with football is that with FFP falling down, you know, you mentioned Burnley there. There's nothing to say that Abu Dhabi can't buy Burnley and pump endless supply of cash in, unregulated, completely and utterly unregulated from here on in. FFP to me was holding, was the last straw holding the, the floodgates from, from, from bursting open. And I'm really afraid that, you know, you, you you cite Everton as well, and they've used him off or whatever you call him, and he's been busting a nut to, to, to spend more money there. He spent enough, like, badly. But you, you know what I mean? We, we talked about City, and uh, eventually they get it right. You know what I mean? You spend enough money, and, and you keep doing it. Eventually, like, Pep and his fullbacks, eventually he gets a good one. He'll spend a lot, but he'll get there. And, and I can see this happening to a lot of clubs. Now that that restriction and that ceiling of, of spending has been done away with, I, I dread to think where this goes. Well, FSG were one of the few main advocates for it. They were, they were the champions of it, and that's what worries me as well. I think that they could be prompted or tempted to sell in this environment because that's not their game. You know, it was, they came into us with Moneyball. They came in with, you know, the project. I think the, what they looked the, at, the at the they, they looked, they looked at, that under a set of financial restrictions where literally you spend what you earn and your business supports itself because it's a business and for them and for in every intent and purpose it's a business because you don't outspend your income they back themselves to beat everybody over every element of sporting business if you want whether it is income stream advertising you know, they're looking at the night deal now. They just thought themselves happy days, uh, and they took that they took that option where they would take a lower fee up front, and and they would get a, a percentage of every piece of merchandise sold. And they're smart. They're really, really smart, and they back themselves basically to outsmart everybody. But the problem is, you can't you can't outsmart someone in business that has bottomless pits of money and is allowed to spend it in, in any manner that they want to any excess that they want so you might be right this 
might be a game changer for them because they might look at that and go, well, actually, under our model, we can't succeed. Their model only succeeds if we continue to perform on the pitch. Yeah, their model only succeeds if everyone else is following the same model, so to speak. Yeah. Is is living within the same rules. But it depends... with context of of the league, then we've only got a small at the moment, as as it stands, we've got a small hand uh, handful of competitors that we're competing with, like as you say, like City and Chelsea and United. Because unless Arsenal get a, a change of ownership, they their financial input isn't going to really drastically change. And Spurs, he, he won't spend a penny at all if he has to. Um, and then, you know, you, you're possibly looking at, say, like, the Saudis have been interested in Newcastle numerous times and can't seem to get things over the line for one reason or another. Then that that's a whole different... Yeah, that's all we've got to compete with. It's Europe. And who, who is it that re- really we've got to compete with? Is PSG and a couple of the Spanish clubs and maybe Bayern. But that's what it's always been, hasn't it? Yeah, England is. Just, I think you, you can. You, I don't think you look any farther than the European semi-finals and finals to see who the strongest league in Europe is right now. And you know, you've got. You'll likely have United in the final of the Europa League. You'll have two English teams in the final of the Champions League, and that's you know the second time that's happened in in three years, I think, isn't it? So you know, um, in fact, it, it's it's four finalists out of the last eight, I think, in the Champions League, all from England. So I want to be five out of the last eight. Oh, sorry, five, sorry, you're right. Five out of the last eight, which is even more impressive because I said that and I thought that doesn't sound as good as I thought it did in my head. Um, so, you know, you need you only need to look that far. So if you're competing at the top end of the Premier League, you're competing at the top end of Europe. That's just fact right now. We're doing OK. Right. And it could be much worse. Like commercially and off the off the field, like financially. We were 25 years, 20 years behind United, for example, where like in the 90s under Ferguson and uh, David Gill, was it? They they boomed. Yeah. Like they, they took over the world and football was theirs. Like anything commercially, it was United. And we've caught up to an extent that you probably wouldn't have even put on, on with a chance. Like 10 years ago, is it 10, 11 years ago since FSG come in now? And probably in the last half a dozen years we've shot right up that commercial revenue stream and like as we it always comes back to it's always about money but we are and like you were saying about the the night deal and off the field FSG will back themselves as you say to be better than anyone and the the fact of the matter is pretty much proven in in Boston and I don't really follow baseball but I know enough to know that they didn't win a title for years FSG took a hold of them and all of a sudden they're winning World Series. Call it a World Series when you're the only country that plays it, but they're winning titles within that sport on a regular basis. It might not be every single year, but it might be one every two or three years, four years, whatever, but they're still competing at the top end. They're getting to playoffs and getting to the latter stages of things. Now, the Premier League over the last 10 to 15 years, it might have been dished out between four or five teams, but I think only City are the only team to win it back-to-back in the last 10 years. And they've done it twice. I think that was it in the last 10 years. And if we're throwing our hat in the ring, OK, this season's been an anomaly, but 
last year we won it the year before. We missed out by a point or two the year before that. We were quite close. Next year, with all our players back and a couple of signings, you'd easily say we'd be in with a, a more than a fair shot of winning it again. So can we really, really moan about what we've got? Probably not. No, I don't think so. Dave, just a final word on the ownership then, and we'll, um, let, you know what, let's not, let's not do a final word on the ownership. Let, I'll give you, I'll give you like five minutes on your soapbox about, um, about the Old Trafford protests uh, on Sunday. Now, where I'm coming from, I can completely understand it. Um, it could have been managed slightly better. Um, it could have been less chaotic and, you know, like law-breaking, etc. But I think, you know, they got their point across and you can totally understand why they feel the way they do. And they've seen, you know, Jay mentioned earlier on, like the green and yellow scars, etc. You've seen these kind of, you know, pa- passive protests just be like swept aside and kind of ignored um, and laughed at. By, by the hierarchy of Manchester United all, it'll go away, it'll just disappear like everything else and it's got to kind of a breaking point now and you're right in what you say that it, it, it's probably been exacerbated by all of the issues that society is experiencing at the minute but the European Super, Super League almost seemed to be the tipping point for them and they've finally come out and really voiced their concerns on how their football club's being run and it's, it's kind of the same situation at Liverpool maybe more so under Hickson certainly more so under Hickson Gillette but they feel the identity of their club, club being threatened, that they're just a commodity, a, a money-making stream for, for these guys at the top, and there's no real order, and, and, and Old Trafford's kind of being left to fall derelict and uninhabitable in areas. So, I don't know, what are your thoughts? Well, Dave. First of all, everything that you said there, I I I, I sympathise and, and and some instance empathise with because we've had shitty owners as well. Let's not forget, uh, as you cited. But I've no problem with them protesting. I think you know the Chelsea fans did it right the night that the Super League was cancelled. Um, I think Arsenal fans did, did did something similar. But the problems and issues for me, Dave, all reverberate around the moment you take action that is beyond a legal remit, I'm sorry, your argument goes down the toilet. And, you know, quite frankly, we, we, we watched, <laughs> more, pe- more people watched that than, they, than watched Tottenham fucking uh, uh, Sheffield United. That gives you an idea. And we watched, and like, like, let's be honest, we've seen the videos that have come out um, since that uh, on social media. Thankfully, these idiots don't have the fucking common sense to not record themselves. Um, which which is great, which gives you an insight into it. Yes, they certainly took um, Old Trafford by force. We saw uh, what the Sky team were subjected to. Um, quite frankly, what Carragher was suge- uh, subjected to while they were shaking Gary Neville's hand. Y- you know what I mean? Look, there's fucking idiots in every fan base. Every fan, we've our fucking fair share of them. Don't think we're, we're immune of it. But the problem is when you... When you decide to bring large number of people onto streets in a public area, you know, you cannot be responsible for their actions because you're always going to be fucking idiots. Now, I've no doubt that probably two or three of them decided, let's fucking storm Old Trafford and a whole pile of boys on the fucking beer went, yeah, fucking great idea, let's do it. But what they did was they hold their own battleship. 
Um, they had a just cause. They had a voice to be heard and they have genuine and real concerns. But the best way to fucking make sure that they're ignored is to fucking do a fucking circus stunt like that there. And, it was, you know, yeah, I think what you're saying there, Dave, is they've, they've lost their message a little bit, haven't they? Absolutely. For me, they've lost it completely. I, I'm, I, I've, I've stopped listening. Um, you know, look, Dave, and even you can have a bit of disturbance in the street or whatever. And, and that, that, that comes with it. But they, there was forcible entry into the ground. Well, uh, some stewards moved aside and there was all oh, the stewards. Left. If you have 150 boys bearing down on you and you're standing there by yourself, you're fucking letting them in yourself. There's no problem with the stewards. Those boys are even paid these days. I know that they didn't used to be your volunteer and it's a privilege. Fuck, you're not, you're not going to hide them for it. Um, you know what I mean? It's, it's common sense. But, the, you know, as I say, I put this down to probably one or two complete and utter pricks in a company going, let's fucking uh, storm the place. And, and, you know, it's gone around social media and fan groups or whatever. And the whole fucking shower of them have, have descended upon upon the stadium. But the thing about it was, Dave, the moment that stadium was breached. Now, about maybe I, don't, I forget how long back it was, but I remember watching a documentary from home about football and how easy it would be to have a terrorist attack on football. And they picked Old Trafford. And they went in with covert filming and so on and showed just how easy it would be um, to fucking blow the whole fucking place up if they wanted to. Now, when that, the moment that place was breached, albeit that, that they were in a contained area, I, I don't think that that game could have gone ahead. So, that you know, the moment they go through the door, that's the end of the game. There was, for you know, I, our group, I said, it's not being played, it's over, it's finished, forget about it. Because they can't, they couldn't clear, they couldn't security sweep that fucking place in two hours. Not a fucking chance, and that's what would be needed uh, to 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 be done. And again, the moment you see you know beer cans being lobbed up at um, at Sunus and and Mika Richards and and the other lad up there, and then you see you know you scouse cunt and to 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 to, uh, to Carragher, you know what I mean? What about? We're, aren't we not all football fans in this together as all supporters group all together? What's this use? Wait, you know, this is the time for unity. And I realise it's the biggest tribalism in football is Manchester United Liverpool. But the message here that they're trying to send is is a unified message across all the clubs. And and there they are fucking giving that to Carragher and and, and, the, and firing fucking beer tents at Graham Soonis. I, I, I'm just sorry Soonis didn't bait the, go down and bait the fucking bollocks out of them. Um, which I'm sure he's fucking more than capable of even still with heart surgery. <laughs> the same boy's fucking heart as him. But uh, Dave, you know what I mean? It, how can you defend that? The message was right. Their their actions up until the break into the ground were honourable and correct and something to get behind. But the moment you breach that stadium, I'm sorry, I've fucking I've quit listening to you. Yeah, I think I think that's all fair. Jay, you know, Dave strikes a couple of really poignant notes there. Um, it did get a little bit out of hand, but I suppose it, it's like I always say when I'm on a night out. I'm very careful who I pick and choose who go for a drink with because it only takes one dickhead to throw a bottle and all of a sudden all hell breaks loose. And inevitably, Dave's right, when you get a crowd that size, um, you know, it's bound to happen. And I think we've seen it ourselves just takes one dickhead to be drunk and throw a bottle maybe completely out of character and and all of a sudden everybody decides oh well if he can do it that that looked like fun so you know i get that the message might have been lost a little bit i get that it could have been organized a lot better and maybe a, a, a bit more regimented but 
do you see this potentially as an opportunity, a jumping off point for people and fans to genuinely set tribalism aside and, and look at the football structure and look at the pyramid and really hold their clubs to account and stop being so passive about everything? I think that's what most were doing. Like, obviously, the whole protest thing starts off with the Super League um, rejection and people standing against that. And the clubs involved, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, to an extent, all held a protest within peaceful means before the game, not an out of the ordinary of a you know, a, a fan gathering. Um, and then they, they pretty much dispersed. I think Arsenal held it for the majority of the game. Um, and that was fine. Like, you, you displayed your displeasure. It was seen. Um, what what didn't sit nice with me was, like, the way Sky were, were saying and more, more to the extent of Gary Neville saying, like, it, it's a small minority having an opinion. It, will, it might have been, but then it escalated into a huge number of people as Dave said entering the stadium and it got ugly it got really ugly and I you should see the scenes outside where they, they were they were fighting with police and throwing railings and stuff like that no other no other fan base has done that and if that's against the Glazers then that like maybe that's what it is but they they were on call for them scenes and like you know they should have been called out for what they were doing and they, they weren't and Sky trying to hold the horror, the model high ground and Neville especially that that didn't sit right with me and when you agree with Simon Jordan on Talksport then that sort of tells you how wrong Gary Neville is, um, but I think that this we are at a crossroads and we are at an opportunity in football that it needs reform it probably won't get it across the board but especially in England and the British game, like, the, the whole pyramid is broken and it's been going that way for 25, 30 years since Sky and the Premier League come in. It's been getting more and more pointy at the top and all the, the stones are being crumbling at the bottom. That's just a matter of fact. And if they want to use it right and these pundits and ex-players and fan groups want to get on the soapbox and try every form and now is the opportunity to do so the only thing is I just don't think that they will because there's too many people in, in it for their own interests such as Neville and Sky and BT that they're all competing for for the big boys eyes and, and ears and it, it it'll, it'll never really fix itself but it's got an opportunity to and they tried it with this project big picture that the big clubs tried to sort of offer an olive branch, but they what they wanted something in return. So it was never gonna work. But the, the, these people have got an opportunity and the fan groups could muster together and, and, and call for more fan power because if you look at the, the teams down the pyramid, they're run by fans. Without fans them them clubs disappear. And if there is this genuine heartfelt want to to get clubs back to traditional and I know you said you're a football romanticist and we've, we've harped on about Spirits of Shankly and trying to get Liverpool sort of connected back with old values, then then that that's great and that's fine. And if it, it works, then I'm all for it because I really 
would like to see clubs like Tranmere and Chester and going further afield, the likes of Berry, who've gone under and you know, the, the, there's clubs that go way across the country that are struggling. If they, if they can keep them clubs connected and keep them running as a business, because it's not just a football, it's a community. And if they can do that, I'd be more than happy to see it happen. But I just the pragmatist in the back of my mind just thinks that if these big boys want to offer them something and give them finances, they're only going to take something back for themselves. And it again, it bring it back to money. But I'd love to see the fan power get back and and have something. But the way United acted the weekend, that was just wrong. And if they're not called out and punished for that, then all you're doing is advocating it to happen again and again and again. And look at the... We all thought that this situation should have led to the game being postponed. Not postponed, just cancelled. And they should have been forfeited and give us the three points. And maybe then you punish them. But it's been rescheduled because it's the biggest game in the British calendar. It's all the eyes are focused on whenever Liverpool play United across the world. Sky were never going to give that up. The Premier League were never going to give that up. And I think I said before we started recording, if that would have been United versus Burnley, Burnley would have got the three points. It would have been a 3 0 victory and, and brushed under the carpet. But because it's us two, it won't happen. And that, that again is just what's wrong with football. Yeah, um, can't argue with any of that, Jay. You're, you're absolutely on the money. All right, then. So, Dave, Dave can I just make one one one, one last point on that, mm-hmm. if I can, on what Jay's saying? It, 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 I find it incredible that you know I, I'm all for tribalism being set aside during this time to get fans' voices together, and you know. Uh, we have social media and we'll bitch about it, but it does have a real good purpose. It can bring fans of differing clubs together to make a bigger protest, to make a unified voice in unison. And I think it would be much stronger than individual fan groups you know, doing that by themselves. Have a mass protest uh, for all the clubs to show the dissatisfaction throughout the game from top to bottom. And I think that that would speak a hell of a lot better than a crowd of fucking drunken yobs running around fucking Old Trafford. Yeah, I think you're right, Dave. I think social media, as as toxic as it is, a lot of the times, so let's not get this wrong, it can be used for good. It can be used to mobilise people for a cause that, you know, really strikes a chord with them and, and they hold close to them. So that would sound absolutely fantastic. And how much impact it would it would have, I just don't know. Um, but yes, just to finish up, JJ's absolutely right in his assessment. F- football clubs are, are part of the community, they're part of the fabric of the community. They support the economy within their towns and cities, they provide jobs, they provide outlets for people. And you know, when football is back in earnest and people can go, I would just encourage everybody that no matter where you live and no matter who you support. Just go down and spend an afternoon or an evening having a couple of beers and, and supporting your local side. And, you know, for all that, for all it's going to cost you, it's not going to cost you £77 a ticket into one of those games, let me tell you. So for all it's going to cost you, go and have a nice time with your friends, put some money back into the community and get back in touch with what football is actually all about. So until next time, up the... Really, do we really even give a fuck anymore, Reds? <laughs>